Hello, my name is Valentina Glinchuk and I'm from Ukraine. I'm working in the uh, Institute for the Development Christian Leadership and actually I'm missionary from your church uh, and this is like thank you very much to Peggy Lenin that I'm missionary at your church. She gave me anointing to be a missionary in my country. So, and let me introduce a little bit about our ministry. Our ministry, it is like in Ukraine, in Europe, and in Russia. This is, you see, the map of Ukraine. And this is all branches what we have in Ukraine and part of Moldova. And this is the Europe. This is like the branches what we have in Europe, Italy. Budapest and Madrid. And this is Russia. This is whole Russia country. And this is the branches what we have in Russia. Because our ministry, it is very, very, very uh, going on very long time. We have some kind of uh, asking from the church, like pastors and leaders of the group ask us to do some kind of missionary uh, school. And uh, we start to we decided to do a little bit about missionary school, a little school, and so we collect around eight nine people to be missionaries. And uh, they uh, they start to come together, and they start to be together, and we have special program for the missionaries, and they want to come to your church. And they, during this time, they go through the 10 courses of the program. And right now they are ready and they prepare to come to your country to help and to be the volunteers and your, at your camp, to visit your church and to be part of your church. And this is unique project because this is some kind of stuff that uh, they raise their money by themselves and they will pay for your tickets. And this is the must, this is uh, very, very interest, interesting for our country to raise money for yourself and to come to your, uh, to different country and pay by themselves. And what we need, we need that you pray for us because Ukraine goes through the difficult situation. We need you pray for the visa and for the visit of these people to the embassy. And I will ask you to pray for Ukraine because Ukraine goes through the different and difficult moment in our life, our country life. And we are so grateful for your support before and now we are so grateful that you open your church to invite our people and you open your heart to pray for us and we are, we are very glad to be part of your church during this summer. Thank you very much. Молюсь, молюсь за Україну. Помилуй, Боже, нас і збережи. Молюсь, молюсь, молюсь за Україну. Почуй наші слова, Господь святий. Прошу тебе, прошу за Украину.
produced about three and a half, four weeks ago. So it's so sad and heartbreaking to think that the pictures of wartime you saw are that recent. And um, our heart just breaks for them. So let's, let's lift them in prayer, shall we? Father, I can't begin to imagine opening my back door and smelling smoke and hearing about pastors that we love and lift in prayer passing away just for walking in the streets. Lord, we rest any anxiety that these missionaries have about their passports not being accepted, that their visas um, will be held, and that even the men will be drafted. Lord, we just lay those down at your feet because you see the whole plan. You know who's coming. You know who's staying. Lord, I lift up those that are reviewing the passports in the embassy, God, that you'll just give them a discernment to let them come. 
Father, we just lift up the country of Ukraine. We lift up its leaders. We lift up Russia, God. We pray for those that are already on the lines fighting. We thank you for your peace that passes all understanding as the hearts of Ukraine so crave that peace. And we ask that we could be fervent in our prayers and continue to lift them, Father. Yes. And Lord, as our hearts uh, cry out and our voices, whether audible or silent, ascend to your throne, God, we realize that there are people all over this globe just like us. And in times of great stress, God, people look to you. And Lord, uh, I thank you that the Ukrainian people, even by the hundreds of thousands, are beginning to look to you in a fresh way. Lord, you are the means by which a people can be free, whether it be that nation or this nation or any other nation upon the face of the earth. And so, Lord, I pray for the Ukrainian nation. And I thank you, God, that you're awakening them to spiritual reality, that you're reviving the church there from her lethargy and for, from her complacency. And, Lord, I want to thank you for those missionaries. Valia spoke of the mission training school that they have developed that actually is even at a, a high level, a doctoral level of study, but most importantly to reveal who you are uh, through them to the nations of the earth. And so, Lord, I want to pray for those eight uh, students in particular who you are leading to come here. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, cause their way to be open, their visas, God, to be granted. And the three... Uh, additional leaders, Valia and two others, God, uh, I understand that one of them is the top women's um, <clears throat> Ukrainian uh, gymnast coach in the nation that she'll be coming here. And uh, Lord, we don't know the impact that she or either any of uh, these students will have on us or we will have on them. But Lord, as Power Camp is right now, being ramped up and plans are being made and people are being uh, registered, Lord, by the, by the scores from our community. God, we expect that you're going to do something unique and special uh, with every student who would come uh, here from our community and through every student who would come here from the Ukraine and those who are being trained here in our midst of our own young men and women. God, would you uh, pour out your blessings upon uh, them, upon this power camp this summer, that it would be an outreach where there would be hundreds of young people uh, and even older young adults that would come to a saving knowledge of the Savior, Jesus. Lord, thank you that you're doing that in our midst. And God, we just pray blessings upon Valia. We pray your blessings upon those who are in preparation and coming we pray for safe delivery of them here to our shores and that you would use them mightily in our midst and us mightily in theirs and that this would be the beginning of a fresh and new uh, even relationship as we go forward. Lord, we thank you today 
that each one of us have been called to carry the light and the life and the love and the glory of God resident in us. Lord, would you bless now each one, God, there and here. And Lord, let us live only for, the, for the, your glory upon the earth. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for a mind-boggling vision uh, and a heart-wrenching uh, uh, understanding of what you've done for us, God, that we could never do for ourselves. Open our hearts, God, and uh, help us to grasp and fully live out of uh, the glory that you've imparted to us through the gospel. <clears throat> and everybody said together, uh, amen. <clears throat> thank you for joining with us as we uh, pray, and thank you, Lisa, for leading that, and we thank Valia for um, her willingness to come. Valia is such an absolutely um, uh, personable and winsome conversationalist, but when you get in front of a camera, you know, it's, you, you get very anxious, and uh, so she was a little bit anxious, but you're going to have an opportunity to interface with her um, this summer and some of the Ukrainian students we trust and some of those adults that would be coming, and uh, we're excited about what the Lord is doing um, here and in power camp and through them in our community and uh, it's uh, going to be exciting. Well, take your Bible if you would and let me just share a, a, just a little bit here this morning as we prepare, continue to prepare our hearts for communion. <clears throat> and uh, if you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to begin by looking at a couple of scriptures in the first part, uh, actually the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, uh, I guess chapter 1 and 2. And as I'm as I'm reading Paul, the letters of Paul, of course, Paul wrote a great, uh, great deal of the New Testament, and you can't get around Paul if you're going to read the Bible, the New Testament in particular. But I'm struck with something, and it fits into the theme of communion uh, and what the Lord's doing in, in, in each of us, and that is the Apostle Paul seemed to be um, obsessed with this notion of the cross, have you ever, do your, does that ring a chord with you? That if you read Paul, he was sort of obsessed with, meaning he was focused on. He was, he was a man who was able to push away the extraneous things and focus on the reality of the cross. Let me give you a couple of examples as I've been reading through 1 Corinthians here. 1 Corinthians 18 says this, For the message of the cross, that's 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So right up front, the message of the cross. You can tell uh, how people treat and understand the cross with where they are in their understanding of salvation. Uh, uh, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are uh, saved and who are being saved, it, the cross, is the power of God. Um, sort of the cross is the focus. For the Apostle Paul. If you slide down to verse 23 of chapter 1, it says, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block. Now, the cross was a stumbling block to the Jews because the Jews attempted to uh, earn their salvation through what they did by keeping the law. That's why it was a stumbling block. So Paul says, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Now, Greeks were those people in uh, this first century who had, well, they're those people who have eaten, like all of us, 
from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and their stumbling block, the cross was a stumbling block to them because they tried to figure it all out in their own human wisdom. So the cross was a stumbling block to the Jew who tried to be righteous by keeping the law and the cross was a stumbling block to the Greeks who tried to understand it in their own human wisdom. Does that ring a chord with any of us? I kind of do both at different times. And as we read on then, we come to verse 24. It says, um, But to those who are called by God, both from the Jew and from the Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The locus of God's intent in coming and sending Jesus to the earth is identified and captured in this person of Jesus and who He was and what He did on the cross. And if we continue to read on uh, through that chapter and come into um, uh, the second chapter, it says... Paul says, for our brethren then, I didn't come to you uh, with excellence of speech or wisdom uh, declaring to you the testimony of God, verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Does he seem like a man that's obsessed with one thing, the cross? For Paul, for the Apostle Paul, the cross was the demonstration, the point of impact where God demonstrated His earth-shattering power and miracle through a man, the man, Christ Jesus. Paul was constantly then bringing a word of correction every place he went. If you read all of his epistles, um, and Paul began to bring a word of correction to every one of those places where there were believers. And I ask the question, why do you think that is true? Because people who have eaten from the tree, the tree, back in Genesis, of the knowledge of good and evil, presuming that by eating of that tree they could be like God, Paul brought the, the correction to them because people are prone to adding stuff to the cross. The Jews added, keeping all of the law. The Greeks added, trying to understand everything through human wisdom. And Paul brought the correction uh, to every place where there were believers uh, to help them understand that the gospel is is, uh, centered around a person of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. An example, Galatians 1.8 says, even if an angel from heaven, even even if an angel from heaven should appear to you, and should bring another gospel to you other than the one that we have preached, let him be anathema, cut off. Now, what Paul was simply saying is that there's only one gospel, and you can't add anything to it. You can't add human wisdom to it. You can't add your own personal works to it. The fact of the matter is the gospel has been finished through a man. The man, Christ Jesus, the glorious one, now seated at the Father's right hand and by His Spirit who lives in the midst of us. So, all of this then, the gospel, let me give you a few bullet points as we prepare our hearts here. Um, We can't add anything to it because all that God has done for us can only be understood in light of the finished work of the cross. You can't add anything to it, Greeks. 
You can't try to understand it and make it better. You can't add your own personal keeping of the law and thereby presume to be righteous. The gospel, God sent His only Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish. Not add anything to it or delete anything from it. The gospel, the good news, can only be understood in light of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. You see, the cross is the only basis for the new covenant. God made a new covenant. And in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel and other places in the Old Testament, he, he prophesied the coming of a new covenant. And he always ended with, and I will remember their sins and their iniquities no more. Why is that so? Because in the new covenant, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left his crimson stain. He washed you and me as white as snow. Brothers and sisters, that's why Paul was almost rabid about the cross. That's why he was so focused and obsessed about the cross, the finished work of what Jesus did for you and for me. You see, Jesus alone paid the price for sin and delivered us from the curse of the law. You see, yet many look to the law, the keeping of it, for their own uh, and their own personal performance to deliver them from the curse. Jesus is the only one who can deliver you or me from the curse. The curse being you can never measure up. The, the good news is that Jesus measured up for you so that you don't have to. In fact, Jesus was chastened, the Word says. In, in fact, in, in uh, Isaiah, Jesus was chastened uh, was beaten so that we could have peace. Now that doesn't seem fair. That's why it was a stumbling block to those who tried to understand it in their own human wisdom. The gospel does not make sense to rational men. But the natural rational man can't understand the things of God. They're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they're only discerned by the Spirit. The Greeks were trying to figure it out and the Jews were trying to do it in their own steam. And Paul said, uh-uh, the cross is the center. It's the locus of reality. And brothers and sisters, if you will live as men and women of the gospel, the good news, you've got to put away your own human understanding and your own human works that in sight of God without the redemptive work of Christ, even your keeping of the law is like filthy rags. That was your brother Paul who was communicating that. You see, yet many live in the expectation. See, if Jesus was chastened so that we could have peace, why are so many people living in the expectation that God's about to chasten them? Beat them. Discipline you. God poured all of the chastity upon another. He took what I deserve and what you deserve. You see, Jesus is the one who conquered sin, yet far too many people are trying to conquer it in their own strength. I've tried that and I've given up. Trying to conquer sin. The fact is, I can't. Neither can you. Jesus conquered sin for you. So that the locus, the center, the focus of the cross is stop looking at yourself and making yourself the center of the gospel. You are not. Jesus is the center of the gospel. And when you look upon Him, all of those things begin to fall to the floor 
without power, even our own sin, because Jesus took it all. See, he conquered sin. Jesus conquered death, uh, conquered death through the resurrection and received eternal righteousness for us, yet still many try to obtain righteousness by their own steam. We become righteous uh, when we look to Jesus. We have a abandon the cross when we look to ourselves. You see, we're more aware of our own works than we are of His work. Because we are, by and large, self-oriented people. That's what sin does. I want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that makes I want to be like God. Here's the, this was amazing. I'm reading through Genesis, and God made them in His very image. In the image of God, he made them. I shared this a little bit last week, but I got new revelation on it. They were made in the likeness of God. They were filled with the Spirit. The Spirit breathed in, God breathed into them the Spirit so that when God looked at man, he saw his own image, his reflection. Now catch this. Here comes the devil, uh, Genesis chapter 3, and he says, uh, got in this discussion with Eve, and she said, oh, we can eat from any of the tree except this one. And the devil said, ah, ha, 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 I got you now. God knows that when you eat of it, you'll be like him. Now, what did I just say? They were already like him. The devil tricked them into thinking they weren't like him. Beloved, he is still after that same trick in your life. The locus of the cross is the means by which you are like him. He paid it all for us. See, Jesus conquered death. Uh, we're more aware of our own works than His work. Um, we erroneously place ourselves at the center of our relationship with God instead of Jesus and His finished work on the cross. He is the only legitimate center uh, of our relationship. He is the mediator for you between you and God. How can then I know, really, if I'm trusting in the finished work of Jesus or trusting in myself or trusting in my wisdom, or trusting in my own self-efforts, uh, or my own works. And I think here it comes down to God gives to us His presence. And from His presence flows His life that looks like love and joy and peace. Peace is probably... Uh, the major measurement by which we can know whether we're trusting Jesus and in His finished work. Jesus, for example, in, in Isaiah 9, I think it's verse 6, said, He is the Prince of Peace. And the government shall rest upon it. You know, we shall call Prince of Peace. God the Father is the God of Peace. Romans 15.33 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Galatians 5.22 uh, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Colossians 3.15, biblical peace is not the absence of difficulty, it's understanding, it's accepting, and it's believing the truth, that Christ, what, for, the truth of what Christ did for you on the cross. You see, uh, peace comes from believing the truth. How do you get into the gospel? Believe of what God said and don't trust what you're thinking and trying to understand and don't add to it your own personal peddling of your bicycle believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved you see peace comes from believing the truth of what Christ did on our behalf on the cross now am I believing what God made me to be 
That's a rhetorical question. Am I believing what God made me to be? Or am I trying to become what I think God would have me to be? Now, let's just think about that for a minute. Am I believing what God made me to be? Or am I trying to become what I think God would have me to be? Now, listen. If I think I must become something to be acceptable to God, then I must also believe I am now not acceptable to Him in my present state. Where does peace come from? Peace comes from the recognition, the personal recognition and belief in what Jesus alone did for you, plus nothing. Not our wisdom, not our works. Jesus. Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. You see, if, if we think that we're not acceptable to God, and we are therefore not acceptable in our present state, my life will be filled with fear. Fear has to do with punishment, and we're not perfected in love, First John says. We're living our life in fear. We're living our life in guilt. We're living our life in rejection instead of the peace that passes understanding that God, through the cross, saved a wretch like me. The peace of God comes from our reconciliation. You see, if we do not believe God, we may find ourselves striving instead of resting. We may find ourselves doubting instead of trusting in the finished work of Jesus alone. Our hearts should always be ruled by the peace of God. The peace with God and the peace of God. I'm ending with just a couple little snippets here. Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the angel spoke to the shepherds at the announcement of the coming of the birth of Jesus. And they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now we interpret that, we're going to have peace and goodwill toward each other. And that's a good humanist sort of understanding, and that should be the outworking of the gospel. But the angel announced peace and goodwill toward you. That is the gospel. That is what God intended from the very beginning, that we would get it, Him. John chapter 14, Jesus said before the cross, before His leaving, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus came to bring us His peace. When the, when the Prince of Peace lives within our hearts, we have a growing confidence in His ability to save a wretch like me. And that begins to, to erode our tendency to try to figure everything out or try to peddle it in our own steam. The Gospel says you can't, so don't try. Trust Him and you'll get rid of all that stuff you're fighting against. That's what I'm discovering. That it's not about me. Duh. It's taken me 60 years, but you know, I'm beginning to get the gospel. How about we just believe it? Romans 4, 24 and 25 says this. No, I'm almost finished. It shall be imputed to us. It, what? It, the love of God. The, it shall be credited to us who believe in Him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead because He was delivered up because of our offenses. And he was raised 
because of our justification. Romans 5, 1 then says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, If you understand that word justified, you'll recognize in the Greek it's the same root as righteous. Righteousness of God and justified by God have the same root word. Look it up. Now, we could translate that, therefore having been justified by faith, therefore having been made righteous by faith. Now when the church gets this, Well, we'll be like Paul. We'll understand that there's only one thing, and it's Jesus and what He did on the cross. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We stop striving. We stop worrying. We stop doing all those kind of things, pedaling our bikes and doubting. We simply believe Him, and He's enough. Surely, Isaiah 53 says, He has borne our griefs, He... The suffering servant, Jesus the Messiah, has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. What are your transgressions this morning that you're laboring over? Stop laboring and trust Jesus to take them away, and he will do just that. You see, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement on Him brought you peace. And by His stripes you were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We know that. We've turned everyone to His own way. But the Lord has laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. If you're here this morning and you're toiling under the delusion that you're just not quite good enough, it is just that. It is delusion. It is the enemy's ploy that someday you might be like Jesus. And I would say stop eating from that nasty fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Well, what about this? What about Him? What about that? What about Him? When your eyes are upon Jesus, everything else begins to fall away. You see, the communion, the gospel actually seems too good to be true. Maybe that's why Isaiah 53, 1 says this, Who has believed our report? Can it really be this easy? No, it cost Him everything. Who has believed our report that another would take our sin? Who has believed our report? I want to be able to answer that question for myself. God, I believe your report. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. I want to trust you and you alone. Well, what about this? No, what about him? He is enough. All day long, I told our elders as we were praying, the vilest offender who truly believes... That moment from Jesus, a pardon received. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Let's pray. Father, thank You for giving us an opportunity to share in this communion meal of remembrance. And God, we do so remembering that it is about You and what You have done. It is not about us. 
And remembering the words of Paul in the institution on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it after giving thanks. And he said, this is my body, which has been given for you. <laughs> Do this in remembrance of yourself. No, do it in remembrance of him. And likewise, after he had eaten with his disciples, he took the cup and pouring it out, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. As often as you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. Beloved, this table is open to everyone who believes. Believes that Jesus is sufficient to save a wretch like you or me. It is by grace and grace alone that we come. Leave all of your works in your seat. Leave all of your human wisdom where it belongs. You come to this table with one thing, and that is faith in the Lord Jesus. Elders, would you come? And we're going to pray here for just a moment, and then I'll open these tables for you to come. Pastor Jim will bring the elements to any who will not be able to come forward, but we'll come down the center aisle and make two lines around each of the tables on your left and on your right. Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you, God, that the blood of Jesus really is sufficient to cleanse us from all of our sin. So, God, we come and we receive afresh in faith. God, we receive a fresh understanding and revelation and anointing, God, that you are for us. And we thank you that you've commemorated a feast in order for us to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. Those who are going to be in prayer stations up here, and there are some, perhaps you would like to come and serve yourselves now. Uh, if you would, when you're ready, come down the center aisle. and you, We don't need to rush the table. We went a little long, but we've got plenty of time. And make two lines then around the table so elders, you'll get on the ends of the table so you can get two lines passing through the tables and come and feast upon the Lord Jesus who gave his life for you and for me. Receive the good news in faith today.
Jesus, he's pleased. He's pleased with you just as you are because you placed the simplicity of your faith in him. 
If there's anybody here this morning who has never given their life to that glorious one, today would be an awesome opportunity for you to do just that. You say, how should I do that? Why don't you come forward and we will pray with you and you simply release the control of your life to Him and invite the glorious Lord Jesus into your life to live there by the power and presence of His Spirit forever and ever. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed. The invitation is for any of you to come if you would like special prayer. Father, thank you for a glorious celebration. God, thank you for the good news of the gospel that we can scarcely understand with our human understanding. But God, thank you for the revelation that you came and did everything for us through the finished work of the cross. And now you simply say, allow me to represent myself to the world through you. God, thank you that you live within each one of us. Thank you, God, that you love us as we are. Thank you for the gospel that we can place faith in Jesus and know for certain that all of our sins are forgiven, that eternity is ours, that the Spirit now lives within us, and everybody said together, Amen. That's a half-hearted amen, and everybody said together, Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today in Jesus. Christ is risen.